Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Blog Talk Radio listeners. I'm Ms. Angelus Wanda Clay, sharing God's sacred word Bible study with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come giving you praises and glory. Forgive all our sins, Heavenly Father, through Jesus. Give us a clean and forgiving heart and help those needing help in any way that's needed. Turn all wrong into right, Lord, and fix it in the name of Jesus. We say yes to your name because we're so thankful for all the things that you do for us, making ways out of no way. And somehow you're there for us, and we thank and praise your name. We ask that you touch everyone listening or reading your word with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Help us learn to focus more on you and less on the world, Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask that you bless Blog Talk Radio spiritually and financially, and that you fill us up in your word. Heavenly Father, give everyone faith and grace. Help us to love and forgive one another through Jesus' name. I pray. Amen. Before I get started with our lesson, let me again thank Granny's Place and Mr. Joel Lewis for giving me the opportunity to be on Blog Talk Radio. I'm here Three Wednesdays each month from 8 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. Plus, you're welcome to visit our group on Facebook, Keep God First. First being written, 1ST. We're available 24 hours with Bible study, questions and answers, jokes, recipes, quotes, flowers, and so much more. Now, due to time on Blog Talk Radio, I will give you some points and key verses on our lesson. Now, let us get into our lesson. From 1 Timothy chapter 4, the outline of chapter 4 is as follows. Paul foretells, number one, a dreadful apostasy in verses 1 through 3. Number 2, he treats of Christian liberty, verses 4 and 5. Number 3, he gives Timothy directions with respect to himself, his doctoring under his care, in verses 6 to the end. In verses 1 through 5, Paul retells a prophecy of the apostasy taken for granting among Christians during latter times. The supporting verses of verses 1 through 5 are as follows. Jude 1 and 3. 1 John 4 and 11. 
15. Psalms 50, 10 through 11. Passage 1 and 31. Matthew 4 and 4. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. In the closing of chapter 3, we have the mystery of godliness summed up. In the beginning of this chapter, chapter 4, we have the mystery of iniquity summed up. Here the Spirit speaks of the latter day, thus the period from the first coming of Christ until his return, and the prophecy concerning the Antichrist and Christ which came from the Spirit, not man claiming revelations from God. One of the great instances of the apostasy is given heed to the doctrines of heathens which teach the the worship of saints and angels as a middle sort of deity between immortal God and mortal man. Paul said, that it is comfortable to think that not all are carried away, but only some. That men must be hardened and their conscience seared before they can depart from the faith and commands which God has forbidden. So here, Paul tells Timothy to give heed to seducing spirits, because everyone who professes to be of spirit born. There were already false preachers and prophets and teachers in teaching against Christianity. So he warns them to be aware of them. The Church of Rome showed one of the first steps toward that great apostasy by erecting altars, burning incense, crusading images and temples and making prayers and praises to the honors of saints which were departed. And they permitted their clergy to marry, though it is an audience of God. And they command them to obtain from meat and religion at certain times and seasons. And Paul says, the apostasy of later times shouldn't surprise us because it was foretold by the spirit which is God. The differences between the predictions of the spirit and the articles of the heathens is expressly. But the articles of the heathens were always doubtful and uncertain. Have you ever asked a prophet about yourself? And they give you the basics for any good reason, reading. And you ask a specific question, and they tell you, I didn't show them all that. That should raise a red flag. So Paul is telling Timothy to know the difference between the two. Offers the script here have mentioned their hypocritical fasting. And the apostle lays down the doctrine of the Christian liberty 
which we enjoy under the gospel, under using God's good creatures. Because under the law, there was a distinction of clean and unclean meat. Blessed they might eat and they might not eat. But now, all this is taken away, and Paul says that we are to call nothing common or unclean. In Acts 10 and 15, it sets us at liberty from the distinctions of meat appointed by the ceremonial law, particularly that of the swine, which the Jews were forbidden to eat, but which is allowed to us Christians by this rule. Every creature of God is good when they are received with thanksgiving or it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer in verse 5. Every beast in the field is mine, says God, and the cows upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain and all the wind, the wild beasts of the fields of mine. Every creature of God is good. When the blessed God took a survey of all his works, God saw all which he made, and behold, it was very good, which is in Genesis 1 and 31. It is us who turns God's good into bad. The blessing of God makes every creature nourishing to us. Man lives not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds of the mouth of God. And therefore, nothing ought to be refused. We ought, therefore, to ask his blessings by prayer and to sanctify the creatures that we receive by prayer. In verses 6 through 16, here Paul flips the script again, and the apostle tells Timothy to instill into the minds of Christians such signs that might prevent them from being seduced by the Judaizers' teachers. The supporting verses in verses 6 through 16 are as follows. 2 Peter 1 and 12. Peter 3 and 1. Jude 1 and 5. Isaiah 1, 16 through 17. Matthew 18 and 20. 2 Timothy 1 and 6. Ephesians 4 and 8. And Ephesians 4 and 11. And Paul wrote, that those are good ministers of Jesus Christ who are diligent in their work, not that study to advance their notions, but that put the brothering in remembrance of those things which they have received and heard. Because we are apt to forget and slow to learn and remember the things of God that's nourished up in the word of faith and good doctrine 
attained. And Paul wrote Timothy that even ministers themselves have need to be growing and increasing in the knowledge of Christ and his doctrine. And that the best way for ministers to grow in knowledge and faith is while we teach others that we teach ourselves. Those who ministers teach are brothers, and they are to be treated like brothers. For ministers are not lords of God's heritage. And Paul first this group again by saying that godliness is oppressed upon him and others, and that we are to refuse profane wise sayings. In verses 7 and 8, that the Jewish, Jewish traditions, which some people fill their heads with, have nothing to do with them. Paul told Timothy, he used practical religion. And he told him that those who would be godly must exercise themselves to godliness and that it requires a constant exercise, bodily exercise, profit, a little for a little while. Absence says from meat and marriage, the late path for acts or mortification and self-denial, profit little. What will it accomplish us? To modify the body if we don't modify sin. He says that there's a great deal to be gotten godliness in our lives, for it has the promise of life now and that which is to come. Under the Old Testament, the promises were mostly of temporal blessings. But under the New Testament, it's of spiritual and eternal blessing. The godly people have little of good things in their lives. It should be laid up to them the good things of the life that is to come. We must not only seek to do evil, but we must make a practice of exercising ourselves to godliness. Here is another of Paul's sayings that all our labors and losses in the service of God and the work of religion will be abundantly recompensated so that though we lose for Christ, we shall not lose by him. Therefore, we labor and suffer because we trust in the living God, which is in verse 10. And he says that godly people must labor and expect reproach. Those who labor and suffer reproach in the service of God and the work of religion may depend upon the living God that they shall not lose by. He says, let this encourage them that God, who is our paymaster, is the living God 
are left in the same desperate condition that fallen futures are in. And if he be the Savior of all men, he will be the rewarder of those who seek and serve it. If he has such a good will for all his creatures, much more will he provide will for those who are new creatures who are born again. He is the Savior of all men, but especially of those that believe. And the salvation he has in store for those that believe is sufficient to them for all their services and suffering. The life of a Christian is a life of labor and suffering. True Christians trust in the living God. For cursed is the man that trusts in man or in any but the living God. And those that trust in him shall not be ashamed. Paul concludes this chapter with exhortations to Timothy. One, to command them to exercise themselves unto godliness. And teach them the profit of it. And that if they serve God, they serve one who will be sure to bear them out. Number two, to conduct himself, which gains him respect. And he says, to give no man an occasion to despise thy youth. And he says that men's youth will not be despised if they do not buy faithful vanities and folly, folly make themselves despicable. And he says to confirm his doctrine, a good example to believers. Those who teach doctrine must live by their lives, by their doctrine. Else they pull down with one hand what they build up with another. That they must be examples both in word and conversation, and that their discourse must be edifying. And this will be a good example. Their conversation must be strict. They must be examples in charity, a love to God, and all good men in spiritual mindedness and spiritual worship in the profession of Christian faith. Oh, charges him to study hard to, till I come. You have attendance to reading and exhortations, to doctrine and meditation, all these things. Though Timothy had extraordinary gifts, Paul says that he must use ordinary means to expound, read, and press what he read upon them, both by way of exhortation and doctrine, that he must teach them both what to do and what to believe. For ministers are to be examples. Those ministers that the best accomplished for their work must study, that they may be improving in knowledge. And he charges him to beware of negligence. And he says, let not the gift that is in thee because the gift of God 
by men and offers. It was an extraordinary gift that we read of elsewhere as being conferred on him by the laying of hands upon. But he was invested in the office of the minister by the laying of hands of the presbyterians. The office of the ministry is the gift of Christ. When he ascended on high, he received gifts for men. He gave some apostles and some pastors, and this was a very kind gift to his church. And Paul says that ministers ought not to neglect the gifts that restored upon them. I'll tell Timothy that they are to consider beforehand how and what they must be, that they are to meditate on the great trust committed to them, on the worth and value of a mortal soul, that ministers must mind these things as their principal work and business, that this is the way for them to profit and knowledge and grace, and also to profit others. That ministers should be engaged and save the lives to Christ, which makes it a good work. And that the power of ministers should be in the first place to save themselves, as well as being instrumental in saving those that hear thee for Christ. Ministers and preaching just aim at the salvation of those that hear them next to the salvation of their own souls. And the best way to answer both these ends is to take heed to ourselves. And Paul says that in the worst of times, that God will have a remedy according to the election of grace. I'll probably study for now. I pray something has been said or said to shed some light on God's word for you. I hope that we have a better understanding of the eating of meat. I'll see you next time right here, same time word Bible study every Wednesday eight eight and don't forget to visit us on Facebook the peace keep God first and don't forget to check in with God from time to time twenty four hours is free God is waiting for us to get in touch with him because our God is a forgiving God, and he wants to see all of us in his kingdom. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again.